Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well this morning. Um, thank you guys for being here. For those of you who are here in the house, we're glad that you're here. Those of you who are joining online, thank you guys for doing that. And uh, we might have a, a few folks outside on the backstage patio, and I'm glad that you are here as well. Hope you're doing well this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke, um, or if you have your devices, you guys can uh, go to Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. As we are continuing in this series called Divine Interruption, Divine Interruption, where we're talking about how God throughout the course of history will make himself known in our lives in very specific ways, sometimes in the background, um, but then there are times, uh, for example, the birth of Christ, when he, in a great and glorious and amazing way, very public way, will make himself known to the world. And today we're looking at, we're really kind of considering when our faith intersects with God intervening in our lives, there's sometimes this uncomfortable part of us, right? Like there's, there's a part of us that might, you know, it seems like God may be doing something and we're not sure. We may kind of, you know, be involved in trying to recognize if it's God or if it's not. And as we're working through that, we realize there may be certain things that we face that we have to overcome. There may be things that he asks us to do that are going to cause emotions that we have or things that we have that may actually put a ceiling if we're not ready to handle them. It may put a ceiling on our faith if we're not ready to handle them. And so today, as we talked about last week, we talked about unmet expectations, talked about dreams that maybe are unfulfilled or delayed or promises that we think that God has that are delayed. And today, I want to talk about fear. Today, I want to talk about fear because maybe our view of the Christmas season is all about lights and presents and, you know, bows and it's like nice red and white and, you know, it's just great. But the reality is, is that the people who God encountered in that day and age that were involved in the birth of Christ, there was a lot of fear surrounding what was about to happen. It was a big deal, and it was big news, and it was a big thing. And there was a lot of fear surrounding what was going on. And so today, right out of the gates, before we get started, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about, and for some of you that take notes on your phone or you have you know, some, some kind of you know, notepad or journal or something, I'm going to ask for you to think of or even write down maybe something that right now that you are facing that's a fear in your life. I want you to write down something in your life that maybe you're afraid of. Maybe there's something looming in the background of your world, in the background of your life that you're afraid of. Maybe there's a call from a doctor that you're afraid of. Maybe you're a little bit worried about something that might happen because of a relationship. Maybe there's a financial situation going on and fear and worry and anxiety are building or maybe the thing that we're talking about today is maybe God has entered your life in a very specific way, and maybe he's asking you to do something that's incredibly uncomfortable. And the reality is, is that the only thing that stands in the way of you where you are right now and being where God wants you to be in this incredible journey of his is one little thing that you're afraid of. And maybe for you, it's something very, very personal that God 
has asked you to do or wants you to accomplish. You're just afraid to do that. I want to talk this morning out of the gates about different types of phobias. There's just hundreds of different types of phobias, and um, I found a few new ones that I had not heard of, and, and I've practiced pronouncing these, and, and it's not going to go well. I can tell you that like, I struggle with like, normal English, so this is going to be a little bit different. So I'll start off with one that's like maybe a little more normal. Octophobia is the uh, fear of the number eight, all right? Octophobia is the fear of the number eight, all right? So it's kind of interesting because there's also a fear of numbers. It's arithmophobia, and I had that fear in seventh and eighth grade for sure. And even today, maybe a little bit of arithmophobia. Had I known that, I would have told my dad that when he got on me about my grades and my math grades. That would have been nice to know, right? Uh, this is uh, plutophobia, plutophobia, which is the fear of money. The fear of money. Isn't that interesting that there's a fear of money? Okay, here's the, tough, here's the toughest one I've got right here. This is arachibutyrophobia, which is the fear of peanut butter sticking to your mouth. All right, so um, if you're having peanut butter right now, sorry to completely ruin it for you. Here's one that a lot of middle schoolers have, all right? This is albutophobia, which is the fear of bathing, okay? The fear of taking a bath, all right? Or bathing, all right? And then there's one that I wanted to end on, and that's something that maybe we all have these days, and it's nomophobia, which is the fear of being without your mobile phone, Ooh, that hit a little close to home, didn't it? So uh, we all might struggle with nomophobia, especially on a Saturday when there are so many games going on. Man, i got to have my phone with me, and uh, yeah, I'm always scared. There are all kind of fears in this world, aren't there? All kind of things that we are afraid of. And it's amazing, if we stopped, if we had a whole series on fear, which would really be a good idea, we could talk about how fear is a crippling emotion. It is a crippling emotion. In our spiritual lives, maybe in our vocational lives, in our occupational lives, in our jobs, students in your academic lives, if you're a student in here, in your academic life, fear may be something that has absolutely captivated your marriage and your relationships. It may be something that is keeping you from the great thing that God has for you. And there are all kind of different fears other than phobias. There are all kind of different fears. There are rational fears. There are fears that are based on something that is, is, is true and is real. And maybe an experience that you or I have had in our lives. And every time we face something that looks like, or we see something that looks like, or we smell something that looks like that fear, all of a sudden we go back to that place and it's based on something that's real or true. I remember Sean, though, when he was, he was young, I don't know where he picked this up from, but he would say, this is when he was a little kid, he would be afraid of something and he would say, oh, it's an irrational fear, it's an irrational fear. And we do have irrational fears, fears that are baseless we have circumstantial fears. We have fears of our own creating situations and circumstances where we have created them, and all of a sudden it's gotten huge, it's gotten out of control, and we fear the situation. Fear of someone else, fear of the future, fear of missing out. And most fears are, as, as you probably have heard this in acronym, fear could be, we can say that is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. 
That's what the word fear is. The problem is, is that sometimes the appearance of real, or maybe it is a fear that's legitimate and it's based on something that's factual, it overtakes our lives. And we allow it to develop into something that becomes a ceiling in our lives. And today I want to talk specifically about maybe some of the fears that you and I have where there is something that God has appeared to us. Maybe it's in a very, very small way. Maybe it's in a large way. Maybe he is intervening and we're seeing some of those landing lights line up that we talked about back in the spring and early summer in our lives. And he's calling us maybe on to a new career or a refined career. Or maybe he's asking you to start a new business, or maybe he's asking you to serve in a new way in your church. Shameless plug. (laughs) Maybe he's asking you to change the tone of how you parent. Maybe some of you, like me, are facing the empty nest part of our lives, and parenting brings on a whole new thing, and you're filled with fear because you don't know if you know how to do this. Today, I want to focus on some of those fears where God may be intervening, and there may be something that's standing in the way of us and God's best for us. I want to look at three situations again. We're going to be talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. We're going to talk about Mary and Joseph one more time, and we're going to be talking about the shepherds and how when God visited them, when the angel Gabriel came and visited them, there was great fear. If you read Luke chapters 1 and 2 about the birth of Jesus... It's amazing how many times we see that people are afraid. I'm not even going to focus on all of them. I'm just going to focus on three of them today. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 1, 8 through 14. As we talked about last week, Zechariah was a priest. He came from the priestly tribe. And here's what Luke records about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth and them eventually giving birth to John, who was John the Baptist. Let's read verse 8. Luke says this, now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. This was kind of a a, uh, ritual or a normal ritual that that, um, would have taken place, kind of the handing over of the guard to a priest, a newer priest. Verse 11, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Verse 12 tells us this, Zechariah was, say it with me, He was troubled. And when he saw him, when he saw the angel, what fell upon him? Say it with me. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness and will rejoice at his birth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we talked about last week, were probably in this phase where they were wanting to have children. He wanted a son. He wanted a family. He wanted the, that tradition that was so important in his culture. And God seemed to be silent. And then God breaks the silent, but it says that he was troubled and that he was, he was fearful because this angel shows up. We, we have this picture, by the way, I just want to stop for a moment and say this. We have no idea what angels look like in reality. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that our view of the angel, the angel that's on top of your tree and my tree and our homes, the angels that we may see around here and that, that we have a picture of, they're nothing, nothing like angels look like. The Bible actually gives us a little bit of an indication. I said earlier there's no idea. What I'm saying is we have no idea in our minds what they look like. The Bible gives us an indication. There was an artist that tried to, to take the biblical understanding of what an angel might look like and draw it, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable showing it to you. It, it might be scary. But these were heavenly beings this particular heavenly being was sent by God to deliver a message. And when Zechariah first saw and first encountered this angel, all of a sudden, he was troubled. And he was overcome with fear. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 30. Switching gears to Mary and Joseph. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed, it means engaged, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said this. He said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she, verse 29, says that she was also greatly troubled. She was greatly troubled. And what he was saying. And she tried to discern what was this greeting, what sort of greeting this might be. Like, what is going on here? What is happening? Who am I seeing? And what exactly is, is he saying? And the angel said to her, do not be, say it with me, afraid. Mary, for you have found favor. And I want you to remember favor in a moment with God. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, a whole nother story in the last of our story this morning. In the same region, there were shepherds. They were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great, what? Fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, I think that sometimes when we read these verses and maybe we kind of understand that what they were seeing and what they were encountering was something that is so wildly different than maybe what they thought or what we think today. Maybe that helps us with our fear. But it was not just the fear of seeing the angel. It wasn't just the fear of, of Zachariah seeing the angel Gabriel or of Mary seeing Gabriel or the shepherds engaging or being engaged by these angels, by these, these messengers sent from God. It was what they were telling them it caused so much fear. It was the thing that God was doing in their lives. And while I'm sure Zachariah was like, hey, this is awesome. I love the fact that we might have a child. I don't believe you, Gabriel. And Mary, I'm sure, as he, as he went on to explain, um, you're going to give birth, even though you haven't been with your husband, you're going to give birth because this is the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the child that you are giving birth to, he's the Messiah. I'm sure Mary's like, Wait, what? Couldn't I have a normal life? Couldn't I just be a regular person? What are you doing, God? What are you doing, God? 
what are you doing, God? And it's in those what are you, are you doing, God, moments that I think sometimes we have the greatest fear. Because God may be calling us to do something that we don't think is normal and is natural. And I don't believe that God is a God who's going to use fear to intimidate you. I don't think he's going to use fear to paralyze you. I don't think God is going to use fear to kind of force you into submission. But I do think that God may allow us to experience fear to shape our lives. How many of you would say that you have faced an overwhelming fear at some point in your life? I'm raising my hand. How many of you have faced an overwhelming fear in your life at some point in time? You may be facing an overwhelming fear right now, but God may be using that thing or the source of the fear or the thing that is in your life that kind of stands in between you and what God wants for you, the best that he wants for you, the next thing that he wants for you, the next goal, the next opportunity, the next mission, the next job, whatever he wants you may be staring it down right now, and it terrifies you. And this isn't just for those of you who are in the room that are like under the age of 35. It's for the rest of us, too. Because <laughs> I thought as you got older <laughs> in life, you'd be able to fierce, face your fears better in life. And is that true, church? It's not true. And so my objective today is to give us some ideas of what God's word says about turning over the fear. Because if we have a fear in our lives, there are things that we think that are written on the other side of that fear. And it's the reason why most of us won't face it. And it may be the thing that is keeping you from what God wants next in your life. Because we think on the other side of fear is some kind of pain. It's some kind of suffering. It's rejection from someone you love. It's someone in your family who disowns you because you brought that thing up that needed to be brought up. On the other side of, of fear, we think might be being unlovely or unloved. Or we think it might mean that we need to tell our boss something that's going on in the workplace and we feel like on the other side of fear is unemployment. <laughs> and because we believe that there are these things on the other side of fear that we think are there, it keeps us from turning over that fear. And today I want to give us steps and steps on how we can biblically turn over simply the fear that we have in our lives that may be keeping us from God's best. The first key, the first step is that we must embrace the truth. We must embrace the truth by what's causing the fear. We must embrace the truth of the matter of whatever the fear is. Maybe for you, I don't know, maybe for you it's a relational issue that has gone on so long and you don't really want to know the truth of the matter. Maybe you just like, like it's ignorance is bliss, right? Like I don't need to know. I don't want 
to call the doctor. I don't want to call that number back because can't I just live my life without really knowing what's going on? Can't I just work in this place that I know is filled with all these different things that are causing me to compromise my values and can't I just be silent about it? I don't want to look under every rock. I don't want to find out what's going on. And the fact is, is that when you and I embrace the truth behind what's causing the fear, then we know what we're dealing with in our lives. Then we know the truth of how insidious or how possibly simple it may actually be. John 8, verses 31 and 32, John records Jesus talking to some of the Jewish people. He says to them, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, there's that word that we talked about in the last series, if you abide in my word and you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. The truth will set you free. Have you ever, have you ever faced something in your life and you just... Just kind of kick the can down the road over and over and over again because you really didn't, you didn't really want to know what the truth of the matter was. So you just delayed the inevitable and just kept passing it off, letting time go by over and over and over and over again. The truth can set us free. The truth can reveal what the enemy is. The truth can reveal how big the giant of whatever it is, is that we're facing. When we begin to shed light on that thing that's in front of us, that decision or that choice or that leap of faith that God may be asking us to take or to make in our lives, when we shine light on what it is, then we know what we're dealing with. Until that point, we're walking in the blind. We're in the dark. We're trying to figure out things in the dark. And Jesus says that the truth will set us free. Truth will set us free. We need to find out the truth about the thing that is making us afraid. If we don't do that, then we can't turn over our fear. If we don't understand the truth about what we're dealing with, then we can't turn it over. I, I love how the, the angels in all three of those scenarios, I don't know if you noticed this, if you picked up on it, hopefully you did. In all three of those scenarios, what did they say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Mary. Hey, shepherds, I know things stink, <laughs> literally, uh, but do not be afraid. That was a bad dad joke. But anyway, do not be afraid. And I'm kind of like, if I'm seeing this angelic being, and if it is not kind of like the sweet, warm angelic beings that we see at Christmas time around us, and there's a little bit of fear because of what we're seeing, and I know that this is not a normal thing, I, I don't know about you, but like someone just saying, don't be afraid, <laughs> for most of us, it's like, now I'm more afraid. <laughs> but they had reason to say, do not be afraid, because the truth of the matter was, in all of those cases, 
the angel was there delivering news that had on the other side of fear, not some kind of negative emotion, not some kind of like horrible outcome. They had good news. They had joy. And that was the truth. Now, here's the thing about truth. <laughs> truth can make us insecure, can it not? I mean, let's just be honest this morning. The truth about what we fear can actually breed insecurity. Am I wrong? It can. Because the truth about whatever it is we fear may actually shine light into our lives and expose some things about us that we didn't want to see, that we didn't want to face, that we didn't want to have made known, but we realize has to change. Or maybe it exposes light on someone or something that we really love, and the fear is, is that somehow, someway, it's going to be taken from us. And so the truth may set us free, but in some ways and sometimes it leads us to a place of personal insecurity. And that's why we absolutely have to have step number two. And that is, is that we trust God with what's causing our fear. Because when we face the truth and we become insecure, what we say is, I can't. What we say is, is we can't. And do you know, listen, Christ follower, that's exactly where God wants me. It's where he wants you. It's where he wants us. When it comes to facing that big thing that he's asking us to do, he wants us at a place where we say, I can't. Have you ever looked at the truth of a, a matter and just exclaimed to whoever's listening, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't right now. I, that, those words have been said in our family many times through the years. And I'd like to think it was the kids that are the source of that phrase in our family, but I think it's me, really. Like, I just can't with you right now, which I really have learned to understand. That, that really makes a lot of sense. We say it all the time. I can't. I can't deal with this. I can't face this. I, I can't conquer this. I, I can't do that, God. I can't lead a group of people. I can't be involved in our kids' ministry. I can't go across the street to my neighbor and, and, and check and see how they're doing because they've had a tough time. I, I'm not equipped for that. I can't. I can't. I can't. And that's where casting everything that says that I can't onto God comes in to play. Because if we are going to truly turn over our fear to him, then we are going to turn over the thing that is causing our fear to him. I know I talked about it a few weeks ago, but when Joshua took over from Moses, he, he, was, he had massive shoes to fill. I mean, those are probably the biggest shoes ever to fill. He didn't know if he had it in him. In Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. And look what he says. God says to Joshua, do not be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Don't be dismayed or frightened. For the Lord your God is, say it, he's with you. And he's with you. And he's with me. He's with us wherever we go. 
And so we can, at a moment's notice, we can turn that thing over to him. We can turn the source of that fear. We can turn that obstacle or that situation over to him. We can cast it on him. Psalm 23. David pouring out his heart to God, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are, say it with me, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then he says in verse 7, and this is where I keep referencing casting, cast all your cares or your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Maybe the step that you have missed in terms of turning that fear over the, or the sorts of that fear over or that thing that is causing you great dread over, maybe it's that you have like been, you've got the truth part, man. You're a truth teller. You're a truth sayer. People are like in your life, they're like, yeah, a little less truth, please. You know, like enough is enough. Uh, and maybe you have got that down, but maybe the struggle that you're having and maybe the reason you have so much worry and anxiety is because you aren't casting that onto God. It's really not too hard for us to understand that in this moment, what Peter's telling us to do is to literally take our problems and throw it God's way. Because he's there ready to receive what you have. Because you can't carry it forever by yourself you can't carry it at all neither can i and so while the truth may breed insecurity while it may breed the insecurity that we can't trust breeds the confidence that god can are you with me church this this is where the rubber beats the road in facing the fears in our lives Specifically and particularly those that we may feel like are keeping us from God's best and God's greatest. The third point today is not just face the truth. It's not just embracing that fear. It's not just turning it over to God, giving it to him, trusting him with the source of your fear. But it's taking action to turn over what is causing the fear at some point in time. Listen, church, at some point in time, I think God is going to look at us and he's going to go, hey, um, I've done my part. (laughs) And and you're just sleeping. (laughs) You've gotten freedom from worry so much that you're not participating in what I'm doing. Henry Blackaby, with Experiencing God, I mentioned it last week. He, He says, find where God is at work and get involved. And my guess is is that there's something in your life that if you were to stop and take enough time to look around, you could see God working and you can see God at work and he has absolutely answered prayer and you've embraced the truth about the giant that's in between you and that thing, that thing that you fear, that that place uh, that you know that God is asking you to go. The truth of the matter is, is that you've turned it over to him, but now you're just kind of stuck in neutral. How many of you learned how to drive a stick shift on a car? Oh, man, I feel so much better in here. It's awesome. I thought I was going to have like three hands raised. 
Do you remember that? I did it in Atlanta with all those hills. And I, I remember like just like somehow getting into neutral and taking the, the, my foot off of the clutch and rolling backwards. Terrifying, right? Terrifying, especially in Atlanta. I remember my dad just like maybe kindly, sometimes not so kindly, saying, just you know, put it into gear, put it into gear, please put it into gear. We're going to have a wreck, and I'm going to have an insurance claim. You're going to back into someone. <laughs> so I think sometimes God is gently just saying to us, hey, it's time to take action. I've done my part. I've got this thing for you. I know what's best for you. I've prepared the way. I've ordered your steps. This thing that you're afraid of is real, it's true, you've exposed the truth, you've identified it, you've embraced it, but now there's a time and a place for you to make the move that God is calling you to make. Take action to turn over what's causing the fear the source of the fear in your life. One of the most well-known stories in all of the Bibles, David and the giant, what's his name? Say it with me. Goliath. That was a source of fear, I'm sure, right? In David's life. And I love that this young shepherd boy has so much faith and he's got so much confidence in God that he's going to be the one that defeats the giant which is a representative of the Philistines, one of Israel's great enemies. This intimidating, tall person, this, this giant of a person that, that was represented everything that a whole nation feared. And God was using, thank goodness, one of the shortest people in the, in the Bible. I like that. <laughs> to defeat the giant. It's awesome. But I want you to see what David did. In 1 Samuel 17, 48 through 49. When the Philistine arose, and he came out, and he drew David near to meet him. Or he drew near to meet David. Look at what those next words say. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. He put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, he slung it, and he struck the Philistine on his forehead, and the stone sank. I love this part. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. I love that story. It's a great story. It's probably one of the first stories that you've learned. If you didn't even go to church growing up, or maybe you haven't been in church in years, you might even know the story of David and the Philistine giant Goliath and how David wins in the end, right? But verse 48, what does it say? David ran quickly to face the giant. And I'm guessing that right now, you have a giant in your life. You have some sort of fear in your life that may be keeping you from what God wants. And you have just like, you've like walked up to the line. You've kind of like walked around the line. You've kind of come, come up to the, the battle and you've gone, nah, mm, no, it's not me, it's not my thing. I'm not equipped like that. I can't, I can't, I can't. 
maybe today it's time for you to once you've embraced the fear, once you have trusted God with the fear, maybe it's time that you take action on what God is calling you to do. Maybe it's time for you to make the first step, to take that leap of faith, to make that move to the other side of the thing that's causing you fear. And just maybe on the other side, you're going to find something else other than failure (laughs) and trouble and disgrace and depression. Maybe you'll find what I think is on the other side of fear every time we face it head on. And that is victory. It's victory. That's what's on the other side of the fear, church. That's what's on the other side of the fear, Christian. That's what's on the other side of the giants that we have in our lives. It's what was on the other side of it for the three people that we talked about, the shepherds. After they overcame their fear, once the angel said, do not fear, it says that they delivered good news to the shepherds. The angels did. For Mary, it was you are one. After, the, after she faced the fear, after she realized that, it's, uh, that this was an angel of God and that he was bringing a message for her, it says that you are most favored. Favor. And for Zachariah, it was answered prayer and joy and gladness, by the way, in Mary's case, and rejoicing. See, what's on the other side of fear is not failure and harm and hurt. It's victory. It's victory. It's going against that thing that we think is going to destroy us and saying it may destroy me if I do it by myself, but with God, anything is possible. Is it time for you to face a fear that you have in your life? Time for you to stand and run to the, to the line? I think when we think that even comfort or safety or security is on the other side of what we fear, we're not going to face it until we understand that what's on the other side of it is victory. It's victory. You want to walk in that this Christmas season? You want to walk in that in your life? God's handing it to you. It's time for you to make the steps, to take the steps, to follow him to the other side of what it is that you fear. Father, I pray right now in the strong name of your son, Jesus, that you would help everyone within the sound of my voice, myself included, God, to realize that sometimes the thing that you're calling us to do, sometimes the person that you're calling us to be or become, sometimes the thing that needs to be faced in our lives that is causing us the greatest fear, that is putting the, the, the highest ceiling on our lives spiritually and academically and relationally and in our vocational lives, sometimes, God, you may use that thing to shape us and mold us. And I pray in the strong name of Jesus that whatever it is the people who have been a part of today are facing, whatever fear they have, whatever source of, of dread or worry or anxiety they have in their lives, God, I pray that you would help them to take that 
leap of faith to take that step to first and foremost engage the thing and embrace the truth of the situation. And then help us, Father, at that point when we are at our most insecure, help us to trust you with whatever that thing is that is causing us great dread and fear. And God, once we've done that, I pray that you would help us not just to turn it over to you, but Father, to take action. God, I pray for that person in this room, the person that's within the sound of my voice, Oh, man, they haven't quite yet taken action. They know exactly the phone call that needs to be made this afternoon. They know exactly the thing that they need to find out more about in that person's life. They know exactly the thing that you're calling them to do tomorrow morning when they show up at work or at school. And Father, they've just kind of danced up to the line. They've kind of walked up to the line. And God, you called David, the little shepherd boy, to run quickly to the line to meet his enemy. Father, I pray that when you intervene in our lives, I pray that we would have the fortitude, the confidence that's based on our relationship with you to be able to embrace what it is, to turn it over to you, God, to take action on whatever that thing is so that we can realize your best for our lives. Help us to face our fears in this life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.